Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. The other day, a curious thing, on the surface anyway, in the great state of New Hampshire, the Granite State, there was a missing person. That's right, presidential candidate, thrice, three-time presidential candidate, Joe Biden was nowhere to be found, not in the great state of New Hampshire. Strange, just several days before the primary there, and yet not a sighting of Joe. Where was he to be found? He was back home in Wilmington, Delaware, in his house, his home. He was meeting with a gaggle of top advisors on how to salvage his candidacy. Now, to me, what is extraordinary about that? I'm not saying that it was a wrong move for him to take that action, that extraordinary action, to retreat from the front lines of the presidential primaries and flee home to have a skull session with his top advisors. I'm not saying that was the wrong thing for him to do, but extraordinary. You think of this man who has been in public life, in public service, you know, like the great public servants of the Democrat Party over decades and decades and decades, that the likes of Teddy Kennedy and John Kerry and all oh, these great men. Well, Joe Biden, U.S. Senator from Delaware for so long, again, now making his third presidential run, having served... For eight years as VP or Veep, for him to be rattled, dare I say panic-stricken, into leaving the campaign trail and uh, having this powwow at home with his top strategists. Extraordinary. But... Fact is stranger than fiction. Meanwhile, his uh, campaign is working feverishly to lower expectations in New Hampshire so that a poor showing can be trumpeted as being a success instead of a failure. And a really amazing move. Here in, in recent days... His campaign has managed to come up with the support in the form of endorsements from major figures, notably in South Carolina. But here, his campaign pulled $150,000 in television ads. 
out of South Carolina and moved them to Nevada. Now, Joe Biden was supposed to be in first place, prohibitive first place in both of these states. South Carolina, where the Democrat primary is supposed to be composed 60% black or African-American. In Nevada, where it's very heavily Mexican, Hispanic, Latino, so on and so forth. Well, the Nevada primary is February 22nd, Washington's birthday. Whereas South Carolina's is one week later on February 29th. So this actually was a reasonable thing to do. If they're really that cash-strapped, if his campaign is that cash-poor that they needed to do that in order to run these ads in Nevada, then it makes sense. But it doesn't speak well of the soundness of his campaign, to say the least. But. I'm going to be spending the majority of this program, and it will probably spill over into the next program, on President Trump's State of the Union address, which in point of fact was the ultimate campaign speech. No, not a stump speech. Instead, an elongated, empowering, visionary Campaign speech, which was mostly, of course, focused on grandiose exaggerations of achievements and some actual factual statements of successes. But I'm sure you've seen that Nancy Pelosi of California, the Speaker of the House, that at the State of the Union address, seated behind the president, or standing at that time, that she tore up the speech text, saying that it was a pack of lies. (laughs) Later she said she was very liberated by doing that. (laughs) A pack of lies, unlike... Unlike the the content of the speeches of Barack Hussein Obama and William Jefferson Clinton ad nauseum, but this was a pack of lies. Well, to the matter at hand, President Trump's 2020 2020 State of the Union Address. State of the Union. Really? Is that what it was? I've commented before that during the campaigns, that invariably the various candidates state all manner of things, laundry list items that are wrong with this nation. And in many cases, well, I shouldn't say many, but in any number of cases, there is a semblance of truth to these criticisms because there is so much that is terribly wrong. 
but usually the statements are exceedingly understated and instead focusing on things that are not wrong, but especially from the Democrats. Instead of all the myriad evils that should be spoken of and focused on. But this then comes to the State of the Union of whomever is elected. And all of a sudden, the State of the Union is transformed. Even if they have only been president for two weeks, it doesn't matter. The State of the Union now is sound, is solid, is healthy, is prosperous, free, glorious, all of that. Amazing, amazing how these transformations take place. Well, I'm only going to touch on highlights or lowlights in this address. So, I'm not going to bother saying quotes, <laughs> right? Everything is going to be a quote except for my comments. But three years ago, we launched the great American comeback. Tonight, I stand before you to share the incredible results. Jobs are booming. Incomes are soaring. Poverty is plummeting. Crime is falling. Uh, strangely enough, he didn't say falling precipitously or crashing. Confidence is surging and our country is thriving and highly respected again. America's enemies are on the run. America's fortunes are on the rise and America's future is blazing bright. So said the president in the first paragraph of his address following his obligatory reference to the vice president, Congress, the Speaker of the House, and so forth, and his fellow citizens. Well, jobs are booming. Really? Well, what's the nature of those jobs? How solid are those jobs? How <laughs> excellent are those jobs? Jobs are booming. And yet, on a regular basis, I see reports of major companies in this nation struggling, making draconian <laughs> measures in order to try to stay afloat such as is the case with Macy's and so many more, and others just going under, period. But jobs are booming. Incomes are soaring. Well, not according to what I've read, but according to the president, poverty is plummeting. Huh. And then crime is falling. Okay, tell that to all of the victims 
of monstrous, hellish predators across this country. With a great many of those predators being the darlings of the Democrat Party, illegal immigrants. But confidence is surging. Yes, confidence is like momentum. It's surging. Supposedly, purportedly, according to the president, it is surging. What is it going to take for that confidence to make a U-turn? What is it going to take for the momentum to stop cold? I'll say more about that as I continue on with his address. And he speaks of the glories of the New York Stock Exchange and so forth. Our country is thriving and highly respected again. Highly respected by whom? Now, I personally could care less. I couldn't care less. Put it that way. Both, both expressions are used and, and uh, errantly so. I could not care less, honestly, what the UK or the continent, European continent or Scandinavia, Australia, and so forth, think about the United States per se. That's not going to impact my intentions for policies in this nation. However, how we are viewed by Putin's Russian regime, how we are viewed by the communist Chinese regime and all of the communist regimes, how we are viewed by the Islamo-fascist regimes and all of the Islamist terrorist groups, how we are viewed by the monstrous, vicious drug cartels, those things matter, really matter. But we are highly respected again. Got news for you. We're not highly respected in France and Germany and UK and the list goes on. We're just not. But again, so what? (laughs) Really? I mean, really, truly, so what? But it is important. Depends on your definition of respect. It is important that the enemies, the adversaries of this nation, which are not limited to regimes per se, but which most importantly include the social engineering world planners behind the scenes, it is most imperative that they fear the United States of America. And I assure you they do not. America's enemies are on the run. Well, again, I will be addressing this later. (laughs) 
with reference to his address, the president's address, as he refers to ISIS having been, you know, obliterated. Islamist terrorist organizations, including ISIS, still exist. There are Islamist terrorist cells operating in the United States of America, and they have been going back to the days of Bill and Hillary. But they've been held in check, thankfully. But as far as the Islamist terrorist organizations around the world, all of the affiliates of Al-Qaeda... That's another matter. Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram, ISIS, ISIL, IS, the old PLO, Hezbollah, Hamas, and the rest. Fatah, and so forth. But there are also communist terrorist organizations active in nations such as the Philippines, in Mindanao, Philippines, southernmost Philippines, and other nations in Southeast Asia. Communist terrorists. Along with Islamist terrorists. What a deadly cocktail that is. America's fortunes are on the rise because our country is thriving, thriving. And America's future is blazing bright. Well, (laughs) the turn of uh, language there, the rhetoric that was employed by the cadre of speechwriters for the president Uh, They got a little bit reckless right there when they said that our future is blazing bright. Blazing as in fire, as in wildfires, as in brush fires, as in forest fires, as in nuclear fires. But, (laughs) yes, I would concur, not with the sentiment, but with the wording. Our future is blazing bright. Unfortunately, devastatingly, as far as America thriving, how can the United States of America be thriving if California, which is enslaved in the grip of the Democrat Party in California, is dying? is being put to death by the Democrat Party. But I'll say more about that as we get into the matter of sanctuary cities and states. California, my home state. In my view, the most blessed, graced, 
outstandingly endowed state with natural beauty and, of course, material resources and moderate climate, and the list goes on. But California has been savaged courtesy of the Democrat Party. So by all means, we should extend that to the nation so that the entirety of the United States of America can be savaged and destroyed by the Democrat Party. Let me just make a little aside here, being only one paragraph into this State of the Union address. We've just come through the matter of the the vote to convict or acquit the president on impeachment charges. And the voting in the U.S. Senate broke along party lines almost entirely with the exception of Mitt Marriott Romney. But... And that was on one count, the abuse of power charge, the first charge. But I do not understand how people that are at all thinking people, people that have a scintilla of intellectual honesty, People that have a modicum of decency. I don't know how any such people can be Democrats, registered Democrat Party (laughs) members, voters, let alone political representatives, whether they be governors, U.S. senators, United States Congress people, or state senators, or state representatives, and so forth, and mayors. I don't know how that's possible. It was one thing going back to the 1960s, more than half a century ago. (laughs) It was one thing to go back to the early 1960s and the 1950s, Back when Ronald Reagan left the Democrat Party in the very, very, very earliest of the 60s, having been a lifelong Democrat courtesy of his father, growing up that way, so many people, they grow up in a Democrat household or a Republican household or a Mormon household, or a Catholic household, or a Protestant Christian household, or something else, and they adopt whatever is there, at least for a time. They may rebel against (laughs) this, that, and the other thing, but for the time being, they stick with that. When Ronald Reagan left the Democrat Party, He was an accomplished man, union leader of two powerful unions he had been in Los Angeles, a labor man all the way. And then 
he had. <laughs> there are different words that can be used, but I'm going to just use simpler words here. He had an awakening. He came to his senses, you could say, but senses is so poor. That's like touching, feeling, seeing. He came to an awareness that the Democrat Party did not represent what he had come to believe. So he left. Now, I can absolutely, totally understand people choosing not to join the Republican Party. Seeing it as being this, that, or the other thing because of it, bad examples from various Republican politicians. I can totally understand that. But to stay in the Democrat Party, when Ronald Reagan left the Democrat Party, it was not the champion of induced abortion. It was not the champion of infanticide. It was not the champion of feminism. It was not the champion of such evils as sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, so-called. To be able to have immunity from rebelling against whatever laws of the nation it chooses to rebel against. The Democrat Party's in love with that. What if they chose to rebel against legalized abortion? Every Democrat in the nation would be up in arms about that. But rebelling against enforcement of laws against illegal immigration, oh, that's a cause celeb. Such terrible double standards, such terrible hypocrisy, such utter dishonesty from the likes of Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker from California. She didn't object to the State of the Union address because of President Trump's exaggerations and hyperbole. No. She objected because she objected to him, the man, and because he was the Republican incumbent president, and because it served her purposes to, and because she felt like it, and so forth. Let's not get terribly high-minded about it. It wasn't a matter of a protest against dishonesty. She doesn't have a problem with that. She engages in it every day of her career. In which she agitates for evil, absolutely evil things, and opposes that which is right. But Nancy is not alone. She's in the majority, not just in the House of Representatives, because the Democrats hold the upper hand at the moment. She's in the majority of politicians in this nation. She doesn't object to Donald Trump because of his corruption, because he's a corrupt man, always has been, undoubtedly always will be. Not because he's so terribly proud and arrogant, and all of that. She objects because he's Republican and because they butt heads on this, that, and the other thing. But 
Yes, America's future is blazing bright, as in fire. Moving on to the next paragraph. Uh, again, <laughs> I will just say a couple more words on that. To leave the Democrat Party and to become independent is the reasonable thing to do, unless you're seeking higher office, in which case you need the backing of one of the two major parties. So Joe Manchin of West Virginia, he and his fellow (laughs) representatives of West Virginia, As far as I know, he's a decent guy. But I am appalled that he stays in this evil party. I've referred to it before. Inside the Beltway, outside the Beltway, in that greater Washington, D.C. area, among those who are in the political know and who are not of the leftist persuasion, The Democrats are known as the evil party, and rightly so. And the Republicans are known as the stupid party. And as I've said in previous programs, I would go a step further. And I would say the Republicans are the corrupt party, and the Democrats are the corrupter party, the corrupting party, the party of corrupting the nation, of corrupting the masses. And you see that with this little matter of Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Petey and his hubby, absolute corrupting influence. And even at the very first hint of victory in the nominal (laughs) Iowa caucus. I mean, how that came to be so important, the caucuses in Iowa. It's ridiculous. And yet, Joe, tell us it's not so, Joe Biden, he gets apoplectic about the results from Iowa. He has stopped his candidacies for president twice after failing in Iowa. And now he's got this panic-stricken attack right now, this panic attack, because of what has happened to his campaign in Iowa. How foolish. I'll tell you, Bill Bubba Clinton, as evil as Bill is, and Hill, Hillary Rodham Clinton, they're made of tougher stuff than that, Joe. You know, it really surprises me. I think of you being this bare-knuckle brawler, this tough guy, and here you are wilting over that. It's pathetic. But anyway. But for these people who grew up Democrats, surrounded by Democrats, in a Democrat-controlled state such as West Virginia, a state where there was massive voter fraud, during the John Fitzgerald, Kennedy, Richard Milhouse, Nixon presidential election, which gave the presidency to Kennedy, which Nixon refused to contest 
not because he was such a good guy, but because he was weak. But (laughs) he let Kennedy steal the election in West Virginia and in Chicago and Chicago's suburbs under dear old Mayor Daley and his machine. And that's true. That's historically correct. That is historical fact, not my opinion. But the likes of Joe Manchin, the idea of leaving the Democrat Party, how can they do that? Well, it's an evil party promoting evil, standing for evil. And to stay with that is to condemn yourself. Not necessarily in this lifetime. You may get to enjoy staying in the halls of power all of your life until you retire or die in office or whatever. But it is to condemn yourself, to blight yourself, to mark yourself as an, dare I say, enemy of God, regardless whether you go to church or not. But. Back to the wonderful State of the Union. The years of economic decay are over. What's it going to take to change that statement into a lie? Really. How about, uh, I did mention, of course, uh, the gift from Wuhan, China, in one program a few programs ago. The gift that goes on giving the coronavirus, I mean, it's just getting rolling. It's just getting going. What if that officially is listed as having reached the heights of being a world pandemic? Because that's where it's headed. It may be stopped. (laughs) Doesn't look like it's going to happen. It may be there are Great efforts underway to stamp it out in the various nations of those 18 nations that it had traveled to early on, including the United States of America. But what if it becomes pandemic? What if, just as an example, let's say just for sake of argument that its spread is stopped in the United States of America, okay, that it's quashed in the United States of America, and that its spread is stanched in all of these other nations, whatever they are, UK, Canada, and so forth, and the European continent, and Scandinavia. What if it only spreads like wildfire throughout all of communist China? And all of Asia. What if that's the extent of it? That it only devastates all of Asia. Do you imagine that that is not going to have devastating effect here in the United States of America, in the UK, in Canada, on the European continent? But the years of economic decay are over. No more fear of depression. No more fear of even recession. 
No, 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 it's all peace and prosperity from here on in. The days of our country being used, taken advantage of, and even scorned by other nations are long behind us. Really, Mr. President, Permit me to remind you of your very, very, very close ties to this Saudi regime of Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Your very close ties to the Islamist regime. Being taken advantage of selling the massive amounts of state-of-the-art weapons systems, training their pilots and other officers here in the United States of America and in Saudi Arabia. Again, I was aware of us training them there. And I was aware that they even allowed them to come to the United States of America for brief, limited stints, but for years at a time? How about training them at our military academies, which back when I was a boy were limited to, for instance, the United States Naval Academy, the entire student body was 4,000. And you had to receive a congressional appointment or senatorial appointment, but they're both in the Congress, of, in a sense, congressional. The United States House of Representatives, United States Senate are both congressional appointments or presidential appointment or have a father that received the Medal of Honor, the Congressional Medal of Honor. These were the ways that you gained admittance to the academy. And it didn't hurt if you had a father that was an alumnus. But then, of course, under Jimmy, trust me, Carter, who had graduated from the Naval Academy and who had been going great guns in his political military career in the Navy, under the head admiral of nuclear submarines before he left and became a humble, lowly peanut farmer in Georgia from which he launched his political campaign and he pursued his political ambitions ruthlessly, according to those in the know. But according to dear old, trust me, Southern Baptist... Sunday school teacher Jimmy Carter, James Earl Carter, James Earl Carter Jr., according to him, it was a good thing to integrate the academies with women. It had to be done. It had to be done. (laughs) Going back to no less an authority than the Bible, There were not to be standing armies. Going back to the Congress 
of the United States of America. There were not to be standing armies. But instead, we've made it into this great career, and we've decided because it's a great career, it has to be open to women. And on and on it goes. Jimmy, trust me, Carter, great Christian man that he is, who has so heavily, heavily, heavily pushed the feminist agenda, used hook and crook to try to get the so-called Equal Rights Amendment passed and failed. And yet, here we are, these decades later, and far worse off than we would have been under the ERA. They just keep pushing. It's never enough. They never say enough. The leftist activists, they just keep pushing. And every victory, no matter how incremental, it emboldens them. It energizes them to push for more. And they will never relent. That's the way terrorists operate. That's the way the communists operate, the fascists, the Islamo-fascists. But the days of our country being used and taken advantage of and even scorned by other nations are long behind us because, of course, the likes of Mohammed bin Salman, he wouldn't scorn Donald Trump to his face. Do you imagine he doesn't behind his back? (laughs) The days of those things are gone. They're behind us. Gone too are the broken promises, jobless recoveries, tired platitudes, and ad nauseum. That's right. No more broken promises, Mr. President. But, Because you never break your promises. Your life story says otherwise, as does your presidency. But skipping ahead into the the body of the next paragraph, we are moving forward at a pace that was unimaginable just a short time ago. And we are never, ever going back. This reminds me, again, of George W. Bush, number 43, President of the United States of America, who got an MBA from Harvard and who believed in never looking back, never agonizing over decisions that he had made never questioning whether he had made a misstep or a wrong move. Never. And he has a mindset such that, you know, that's contrary to his whole being anyway. He's not given to such things, such contemplation, nor thoughts of possible failures. So too with Donald Trump. They share much in common. And George W. Bush, he said that the greatest uh, thing that he got, the only good thing he got out of his MBA, Harvard MBA, was being able to dominate, knowing how to operate and dominate a boardroom. I've gone too far before mentioning this, but permit me just to say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right 
and true and good in this program and all of these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That's due to me. That's my fault. I'm obviously not going to make it through the State of the Union Address. Apologies. Hopefully wrap it up in the next program. But we're never going back. We're only going forward. No more failures. No more disasters. No more defeats. We're only going forward according to President Donald Trump. You can bank on that, right? Take that to the bank. I am thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. It must be so because our president told us so. Our military is completely rebuilt. So it's completely new. Nothing remaining of what was there when he came in. Strangely put. But again, these are the words he chose to speak, the ones that were prepared for him. Our military is completely rebuilt with its power being unmatched anywhere in the world, and it's not even close. As I've mentioned before, in terms of nuclear weapons, and they're horrible, and there shouldn't be any nuclear weapons in the world, (laughs) but unilaterally disposing of nuclear weapons does not remove nuclear weapons from the world. All it does is it emboldens all of our adversaries and enemies to use theirs. And as compared to this statement about we are unmatched, our power is unmatched anywhere in the world and it's not even close. He loves that terminology. He's used it many times before. It's not even close. It's an absolute bald-faced untruth. We are inferior in terms of nuclear warheads, number of them, and so forth, to Russia and communist China, what have you. But our borders are secure. (laughs) Are secure. No, he's in the process of having them secured insofar as they can be secured. But they are still insecure. And it's so stupid, absolute, flat-out stupid to say that they're secure. And then he goes on, and the statements later on contradict that. But our families are flourishing, really. That is not true. And it's a deep subject, which I don't have time to go into, except to say it's not true. The wicked are flourishing, thriving, prospering, succeeding in accomplishing their evil ends, the destruction of this nation. But our families are not flourishing. Our values are renewed. What about that presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg, or Pete Buttigieg, or Buttigieg, or Buttigieg, or Buttigieg. Take the pronunciation of your preference. Mine is Buttigieg, but he and his hubby, his husband, 
the revolting, vile, lewd, profane attack upon not just God's plans and purposes and creation, but on on this nation's values. But our values are renewed. Yes, what about all of the induced abortion? What about all the infanticide? What about all the vicious, violent, monstrous crime being committed? And the answer being, oh, well, if they're convicted of heinous enough crimes, they're put in prison for a little while. Our values are renewed. The state of our union is stronger than ever before. That is poetic license at the least, and an outright bald-faced lie at the worst. But a damnable lie at the worst. Then he talks about his vision, building the world's most prosperous and inclusive society. Pertaining to America's unparalleled success. So this inclusivity is this including the destroyers of this nation? You bet it is. But it's not just including them, it's bowing and scraping to them. It's allowing them to deform this nation and to bring absolute destruction upon it. Not just nuclear destruction, but the bloodletting that's been going on now for so many decades, courtesy of the induced abortion abomination, the terrible, monstrous pornography abomination, the hellish sodomite agenda. And putting people to death because they have not sufficiently recovered from disease, from accident, and or even wounds inflicted by attempted murderers. But we're going to include all the evil. We're just going to be so inclusive. We are advancing with unbridled optimism and lifting our citizens very, very high, high into the sky, high to God. We are lifting our citizens with unbridled optimism. Well, you know, the, <laughs> the speechwriters, the presidential speechwriters in particular, They always err on the side of excess. But then, this is a perfect marriage here between they and Donald Trump, who always errs on the side of excess. To the point of, yes, not mere boasting, but gross dishonesty. He goes on to say that, We have created 7 million new jobs, yes. And they have taken the place of equal jobs or superior jobs or 
but they've taken the place of, of some of those perhaps that have been lost. No, these are all new jobs. They haven't taken the place of anything. What about all the jobs that were lost? And so now we have replaced solider jobs with inferior jobs in many cases, not by no means always the case. He speaks of this great economic success, and he has. His administration has enjoyed creating some success. But who have been the recipients of that success? According to him, last year, women filled 72% of all new jobs added. That seems a little disproportional, doesn't it? Is that healthy for this nation? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.